All right, let's jump in anything and anywhere y'all might want to go. We're going to be wrapping up with Exodus here very shortly. We get into the uh, short rows on all this. We're going to see them raise up this tabernacle before we close out in chapter 40, but we get in the plans for it. We're seeing all kind of things go on thus far. But anything, somewhere else you might have been, something else you want to give away, something you read, something you heard, something just blessed you, that would be an encouragement, that be an encouragement to us. That'll help us, that'll point us, that'll point us to the Lord. Edify the brother. Remember, everything God does with the Spirit of God is to edify and build up, to expand, to grow to reach and teach and equip. What you got, Brother Shannon? I, I have been thinking of late about being a servant. A servant. I, that it's a hard thing for America to, because we've, we've not been in that servanthood, raised up being a servant. And I think that's part of the, part of our problem. And, but, uh, Psalm 119, 38. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Establish thy word unto, unto thy, thy servant. Right. And that's the, the word has to be established to us. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see happening with Moses. What is God doing? He's establishing the word to them. He's establishing the word to them. He even tells us that in our reading in the last couple of days. But yes, so one nineteen thirty eight, right? Yes. Establish your word unto your servant, who is devoted to fearing you. That's right. Who's committed? Who's who's devoted their life to be a living sacrifice? Uh, I shared with the congregation on Sunday morning that uh, about that trifecta that the Bible teaches us that is required for us to be effective witnesses for the Lord. One, uh, there has to be a living Savior who who we belong to. And not a dead Savior, but a living Savior. It was Jesus who came to his disciples after his resurrection and then presented himself to them, which the resurrection is what tells us everything he said and did is trustworthy, that we can believe it, that we can rest our entire life upon it. And he's a living savior. Uh, He's come back from the dead and seen no corruption and uh, which God used to validate uh, his ministry, his message, his mission, Everything. That's why we cast everything upon Jesus, and because nobody had been resurrected from uh, the dead uh, as he had. He's the first among the resurrection, the firstborn. And then when we trust him, we become part of the firstborn. Um, that what uh, Exodus has been talking about. Hadn't he mentioned the firstborn on quite a bit of occasions? Yeah. Who the firstborn belong to? Belong to God. And you had to redeem the firstborn. Because the firstborn man, Adam, fell in the sin. And the Bible says we either are in Adam or we are in the firstborn begotten 
of the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be uh, in both. You got to be in one or the other. And so you got to be born again so that you then become part of the firstborn. See, your identity gets caught up in Jesus now. Amen. And even Hebrews chapter 12 refers us, refers to us as the gathering of the firstborn. Because that's who we are. We are, we are hidden in Christ. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the beloved of the Father. But you gotta have a living Savior. You also need the living scriptures. He opened the scriptures up to them that they could comprehend it. Got to have that. Without the truth, without the message, you have nothing. You have to have a Savior and you got to have the scriptures because the scriptures explain the Savior to us, explain who God is, explain who we are, explains what sin is, explains why God gave us the law that we have that we're reading about right now. And how all that come together and he opened their understanding that they could comprehend that, that everything Moses was writing, everything the prophets wrote about, everything the Psalms was, was prophetically speaking of was all about the Christ who would suffer, who would rise and who would proclaim light to a Gentile world as well as his own people. But then you needed a living spirit. He said, tarry into Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So when you take a living sacrifice, which we are, who presents ourselves to the Lord as living sacrifices, who has a living Savior, the living scriptures, because the word is alive, amen? Amen. It's a living word and a living spirit that is within us, giving us power to operate in the spirit of Christ. Man, that's, that's how we, that's how we to live this life and everything that we do. And that means as a living sacrifice, what are we? We're servants. We present ourselves unto him as servants. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted uh, to fearing you. Uh, There's a passage that talked about the opening of God's word gives light. And how the entrance, he uses that phrase, the entrance of your word gives light. We need light. Amen. And that's what this word does. It gives us light. And in the, in the kingdom of God, light is life. Yeah. Just like hearing is seeing, light is life. That's why we see that made reference to if you say you know God, but you don't walk, you walk in darkness, you are what? A liar. Why? Because light is life. In him was light, and that life, that light is the life of the world. Amen. So light is life, and hearing is seeing in God's kingdom. And same way with the principle, if you want to keep something, what do you need to do? Got to give it away. You see, so light is life, hearing is seeing, and giving is keeping. These are kingdom principles. Of how we function and operate in in the world. So, uh, yes, I totally agree. And if you want to put a passage in the book of Exodus to it, Exodus thirty four, Exodus thirty four, I believe it is thirty four twenty seven, thirty four twenty seven, yeah, thirty four twenty seven. Then the Lord said to Moses. What did he tell him to do? Write these words. Write these words. For 
according. The word according has the idea on the basis. Upon this, the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. With the tenor. The word there, tenor, has the idea with the opening of my mouth, with the opening of my um, my breath was like a spirit, the tenor of it. Uh, with with me opening my mouth and declaring these words, you enter into a covenant with me. These words are binding that he places upon us. I jot it down a little note. Upon the opening, the pouring out, the breath and spirit of these words, the basis of these words that I breathed upon you. As we get in the New Testament, what does the New Testament teach us? For all scripture is what? God breathed. God breathed. God breathed the scriptures upon men as they wrote. Peter says that men were moved by God when they wrote. And no prophecy has its own private interpretation in the sense that man can't predict what's coming in the future. It's not how man sees the future. It's what God says about what's coming in the future. And and that's what we see here. And the idea is I have inscribed, etched these words before. How do I know that? Well, he's already told us that he has done um, this when he has written these words. Where, where, did he, where did he say this at? Look in chapter 24. Go to 24. Look in 24, uh, 24, 12. Remember last Sunday night I made mention and I preached this uh, passage to the church on this Sunday night, but last Sunday night with y'all, we talked about this idea about being there, be there. Yeah. Look what he says in verse number 12 of twenty-four, twelve. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up. That's that invitation to come to him. On the mountain and what? Remain there. Remain there or be there. You need to be there. Now, what did we say? God didn't speak to Moses for another six days. Six days he was on the mountain, and the seventh day God finally spoke to him, but he was there. But notice what God says. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments, which I have what? Past tense. The word written means to etch, to engrave, to inscribe. I will give you the law and commandments which I have written that you may what? Teach them. Okay. You see, what Moses received to write down had already been written eternally. God's words is etched. There ain't no change in them. Amen. They are inscribed. They've been engraved. They've already been written in the idea in how he told Moses there in chapter number 34 that you write these and at the tenor of them, at the spirit of them, at the breath of them, I enter into a covenant with you. These words have already been penned eternally. They're everlasting. God's word doesn't fade away, right? Right. Remember Jesus, when he came, he didn't come to do away with this. He came to what? Fulfill. Fulfill this. To fulfill this. So, 
that, that word right there, remember Moses hadn't written these things down yet. But God says they've what? Already been? Written. He says, I've written them. Remember, I, I taught this principle to you in times past. We recently talked about it in the men's Sunday school class. But everything God does is predicated upon a promise. He predicates it upon a promise. And you trace the promise back. Because what he promised, it's been etched. It's been pinned. It's eternal. For an example, let, let me take and show you a New Testament principle that, that highlights this same, this same teaching here is that this is not something fresh and new that God was unveiling to Moses. He's already written this. This has already been engraved eternally. He's now passing it on to Moses for Moses to now go teach the people what God has already planned and already written and already decreed. And now when they hear it, they enter into a covenant with him based on the spirit of this word that he's going to say. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke 24. Yeah, Luke 24. Gospel of Luke. So, Brother Shannon, establish what is written to your servant, your word. It's it's God. You you've already declared it. You've already predicated everything you're going to do based on what you declared. I need to know what you declared. I need to know what you've written, so I can. No, as Moses said, God, if you don't show me who you are, that I can know you and find grace in your sight. That is, I can walk in the favor of what I know. I need to know you. I need to know what you've said. I need to know what you've done for me to walk in it. And that's exactly what David was praying when he, when he said that in uh, Psalm 119.38. He said the same thing. Establish, ground me. In what is written, that I may walk in it, because I'm devoted. I'm devoted to fear you. So when you speak it, I'm going to submit to it. I'm going to be your servant. <clears throat> Luke 24. Look in verse number 44. This goes with exactly what I was just referring to when I talked about that trifecta of a living Savior, a living Scriptures, and a living Spirit. But you got to have a living sacrifice for it to all come to pass. Verse 44 says, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. And Jesus didn't do anything that wasn't already written, meaning what he heard, right? That all things must be fulfilled, which were what? Written. Written. When was it written? Where was it written? How long had it been written? It's been written from eternity. It just manifested to who? In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And it what? Concerns me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend what was written. The scriptures is what was written. The scriptures is what was eternally written and then manifested to man the write down so man could have what God had already written. Then he said to them, 
Thus it is what? Written. written. And because it was written, it behooved or was necessary. The word behoove in the King James means it was an absolute necessity. There was no other way around it because it was eternally inscribed and then verbally spoken over people to pin for us. It was absolutely necessary for it to fall in the place the way it fell in the place. So he says it was absolutely necessary for Christ to do what? Okay, what does the Bible tell us? If we was to trace this promise back about Christ's suffering, the entire Older Testament is filled with prophetic references to the suffering of Christ. But if we kept tracing this predicated promise, and the more we get into the word, the more we realize we find out later in the very last book of the Bible that God says that predicated promise even goes back before the worlds were even founded. That Christ is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. So see, God made a promise before time ever began. And eternally decreed it, written it, inscribed it. Now he reveals it through time in little bitty increments here and there and here and there and here and there. And now Jesus comes on the scene and then Jesus lives the life he was destined to live. And then after his resurrection, he comes to his disciples and he says, all that was written was written in regards to me. And now he supernaturally opens their understanding that they could comprehend what was written to men, but yet written in eternity before it was ever decreed unto men. I've already written it, God said. Remember, it's all predicated on a promise. You can trace it back to a promise. And if you can't trace it back to a promise, you don't need to trust it. And when you trace it back to a promise, you then have to ask, well, who gave the promise? Is the promise giver worthy to be trusted? Because the promise giver is greater than the promise that he makes. Amen. So that's where you trace it all back to the promise giver. And then what did he say? And then he's fulfilled every promise that he's made that is able to be fulfilled at this point. And then that's exactly what he says. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day. And it was inscribed, written, that what? Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are the living sacrifices, the witnesses of these things. Behold, I send a promise of my Father upon you, but you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, endued with power from on high. Why? It's been written. Amen. Amen. It's been written. So when God told Moses in chapter 24 of Exodus in verse number 12, that he was to wait upon the Lord until God spoke to him. And what God was going to speak to him is what God already written. Now Moses is going to write it and go tell the people about it. So what we stand on has not only been written by men 
as we have the scriptures, the word of God, but that which we have has already been written in eternity. And therefore, we can cast our life upon it. It's trustworthy, amen? Because the one who wrote it is trustworthy. And that's why we take passages like this. If you look over him, y'all see what I'm saying there? You see how he just tied that together? Remember last Sunday uh, night, we talked about Acts 26, 23, when Paul said, I'm not sharing anything other than what Moses and the prophets and the Psalms has already said that, that the Christ would suffer, the Christ would rise, and the Christ would proclaim light to the world. Right? Isn't that what he said? That he would suffer, he would rise, and he would proclaim. So when he says here that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name, that's Christ is the one that's going to proclaim it, but who is he going to proclaim it through? That's right, his living sacrifices, his witnesses. We're the servant. We belong to him. And, and the servant doesn't do anything that the master tells him. That's right. And you see, we're going to get to a phase in this, in this land that's already happening. I just read something this past week where, where a college basketball coach has been suspended because he gave a biblical illustration about a servant relationship that Jesus called his disciples servants. And now the school has suspended him because he brought a slave servant relationship to the play in our modern day. You can just, you can, you can count on it coming. I'm telling you that you stand on the authority of the word of God. It creates problems in people's lives. They do not want you to tell anybody that anybody's to be a servant. As brother Shannon pointed out, our country has no idea what it means to be a servant. And we are called to be slaves, bond slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life has been purchased at a price that don't belong to us. I am a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who likes it or don't like it. I, we talked about it in our song. Hey, if none go with me, yeah, that's okay. I will still follow. Amen? Amen. You stand on the authority of the word of God. It is not demoralizing or demeaning anybody. Praise God you can be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you ain't a servant of his, you don't belong to him. You don't belong to him. You don't belong to him, you'll perish. You have to belong to Jesus. Got to be born again and made a servant, a living sacrifice, a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So look in, uh, let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Remember we're talking about that tenor, that spirit. It's on the basis of this, of this voice, this tenor, this breathed of God. Verse 16 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. All scripture, all scripture, all scripture, and that scripture is that which is written. Is given by inspiration. inspiration. We seen that in what? Uh, Exodus 36, Exodus 35, and Exodus 31. God imparted a gift to Bezalel and Aholiab and all the artisans and also the women that he used that had the skill to, with tapestry and building things, he imparted a gift by the Spirit, then inspired them. Scripture says he stirred them up. Y'all remember reading that? 
He stirred them up to what? Involves them into his work. So God imparted, God inspired, God invited to involve them into the work. And that's exactly what he does with us today. He's the one who imparts the gifts of grace. He's the one who stirs in us, inspires us to edify the body of Christ. And then he involves us to be a co-laborer with him in the work. Amen. To be a co-laborer with God. But you see, the scriptures are what? Inspired. That idea is they've been breathed by God. And that's what he told Moses in chapter, uh, what? Uh, chapter 34, uh, 27, uh, that at the tenor of that which is written at the breath, the spirit of that which is written, you enter into a covenant with me. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and all scripture is beneficial or profitable or usable for teaching, doctrine. Uh, that would be for clarity in how we see things for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All comes through the what? That which is written. That which is written. That which is written. Man, it was breathed by God. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, let, let's, you can tie that together with... Second uh, Peter, go to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter number one, Second Peter chapter number one. Peter says in verse number sixteen, Second Peter one sixteen, he says, "Hey, we do not follow cunningly devised fables." when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Yeah. Verse 17, For Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, and this is what was said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. When did that happen? On the Mount of Transfiguration. And the baptism that the Spirit came upon him says that this is my son whom I am well pleased. This is the, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter and James and John, they were up on the mountain with him. And they heard the voice. Remember Peter said, let us build a tabernacle. And then he heard the voice and told them to be quiet. You need to hear him. He don't need you to do anything for him. Amen. It says, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Verse 18, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word Confirmed The Old Testament word confirmed. Everything that's been said about him that was written, we heard it confirmed that evening on that mountain with him, which you, we, will do well to heed as light. Why? Because light is what? Life. 
as light that shines in the dark places until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of what is written, the scriptures, is of any private interpretation. Man is not declaring his interpretation of future events. This was God declaring what was to come and we've seen it happen. Verse 21, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were what? Moved by who? The Holy Spirit. So who moved Moses? The Holy Spirit did. But the Holy Spirit is not as much mentioned as it is God speaking to him, the Spirit speaking to him, him telling him what to write. And when he writes this, they enter into a covenant with God. But this is the work of God. Now the Spirit filled up, what, Basileel and Aholiab and all those artisans to do the work that God had set them apart to do, to build that tabernacle and all those articles there. Yes. To do the work that he wants us to do now. Building his kingdom right now. And it's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Got to have that living spirit, the living scriptures, and a living Savior. We just present ourselves as living sacrifices. He fills us up like he filled them up. And when he fills us up, he makes us fruitful in the work. He what, as we see in Exodus in 31, 35, 36... We see that, that what? He anointed them. That is just, that's the touch of God. That's God's, God putting his hand upon them uh, to do a work so that he could approve them in the work, accept what they do, and affirm it with his witness that it would be what he's already declared in eternity. What he's already declared is shown to them in heaven. Now they're going to do that work upon the earth. And you see, he's shown us his work, and that's what we get to do Amen. as well. We, we got to have his touch upon us. We have to be approved to do it. We, therefore, when we approve, then he accepts what we bring to him. And then he affirms it with his presence upon that work. He gives us the ability to see because we hear. Right. He gives us the ability to have light. And therefore, that light is life to us. And he just uses us in the day as a co-labor along with him. You know, he's the one that imparts the gifts to us. He's the one that is going to stir in us or inspire us to use those gifts. He then's going to involve us in the kingdom building with him. And we, be, we become co-laborers, those ambassadors that he's using. And uh, God changeth not, amen. He changeth not. He's doing exactly what he did then. We're just now building people, amen. For the glory of God. We're not building a physical tabernacle, but we're, we're building the tabernacle of, the, of David, which is the body of Christ for which Jesus occupies and dwells in. And man, to God be the glory for it. To him be the praise. Amen. So this word we have, that's already been written. Amen. Amen. And praise God. He's letting us see it and uh, teaching us. Anybody have anything else? I'm keep praying. Yeah. Keep praying, keep praying. All right, thank you, Jesus. We love you and praise you. Thank you for helping us. Lord, we, we are, are needy, and we do want to be your servant, that you would fill us up and use us as you see fit in these days, that we can help people see what you see, that we can help people 
walk in the light that you give that they may have life. And we're going to thank you for it and we're going to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love y'all.